Last week we talked about a uh, confusing, if you recall, a confusing title. Uh, we're going to add to the confusion this week. So, um, we talked about Jesus as the branch, and we talked about how it was a little confusing we, because different people have different ideas about what these verses mean. We're actually going to end up going back to uh, the same, some of the same scriptures uh, to introduce this. Um, and so, in fact, uh, there are some people, uh, depending on the commentator, that, that think that the title that we're going to look at is the same reference as the, as the last one uh, in, in, in context or in, in concept. Uh, and so, uh, words can be difficult. We know this. Uh, different languages have uh, different cultural ways that, that they look at some words. For example, uh, spatial relativity. Um, near and far, is different in different cultures, right? Uh, so, so I remember I told the story about uh, uh, going to Ukraine, and that there's a lot of interesting things that are different, and, and you learn some of those differences. Near and far is different. They're, uh, in some ways, they're closer. In some ways, they're further apart. So uh, my translator and, and others, they don't understand personal space over there. They, they're very, very close. So, so things near can be different in that term. Also, uh, in, over there, because they don't have vehicles, right? Most people don't own vehicles. Near and far is a lot different. I mean, we, oh yeah, it's it's not that far away. Well, for us, if you have a car, yeah, lots of things are not that far away. But if you have to walk or ride a bus that takes, you know, just barely faster than than walking, <laughs> um, well, near is a smaller circle, right? Uh, so so spatial things are are different. Uh, so we're going to look at a verse today, and, and, and this might be a uh, illustration of this. It says, uh, we're, "We're familiar with this with this passage." It says, "He grew up before him like a, a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and he had no beauty that we should desire him." And so we're talking about uh, this uh, this root, uh, and, and we're looking at the title of, of Christ as a root. Uh, and I said, last week we talked about Christ as a branch, and you're wondering how in the world can a root and a branch be the same thing? But there are people that think that this is the same actual title. And we're, we're going to look at exactly uh, why it is uh, that, that people might think this. Uh, but um, I was in a society where, and it was kind of confusing, where they used the word foot. Or, or they don't use the word foot, unless, like, in a medical sense, or an ankle, never. They have the word, but everything is leg, right? So, so if someone says their leg hurt, I mean, we would immediately think, because of our culture, that was something, something my leg hurt, right? But if you had a her ankle, we, we said, my ankle, I sprained my ankle, or something like that, right? Uh, and if your foot hurt, you would never, ever, in our society, say leg, but, but in Ukraine, leg, solid leg. Down here below, it's all the leg. Uh, just that's how they reference things, and, and we're going to look at why some people uh, confuse or conflate the idea of a root and a branch. Uh, so, so I want to look at this. How is Jesus the root? Uh, and so here's the difficulty: is we're going back to Isaiah 11, and uh, we here's a couple of verses from this passage. Isaiah 11.1 1 and Isaiah 11.10, it says, Therefore there will come a shoot out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And so we talked about Jesse and David and all that last week. Uh, I'm not going to re-preach that. Uh, but uh, later on in the passage it says, In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him, 
shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. And so, so we talk about the branch, we see the reference to the branch there, and, and the reference to the root. And, and so, one of the things, well, we, we look here at the, the root of Jesse, we talked about branches, Jesse, is that the same thing? So this is where some of the confusion comes in. Um, well, the confusion has to do with, with this word, root. We think of, when we say the word root, we immediately think of uh, the root system underneath the ground. And it doesn't necessarily refer to that. In my backyard, uh, I have some trees, most of which got cut down. Um, and there was one, and, and Marty came over and he ground out all the stumps, uh, except for one that hadn't, I hadn't cut down yet. Uh, I had to cut that one down later. I don't think it was cut down yet. Anyway, uh, the stump didn't get ground out. Uh, it got cut down, uh, I think, later. Uh, and now I have a tree growing back. What's that? I cut it down. I mean, it's a stump. I mean, you would think, how does that thing survive that? You know, foliage, but it did. And it sent forth another shoot. And that shoot, it comes up, it's kind of out of the ground. It's a part of the root system, right? Uh, and that, to them, is kind of like leg, ankle, foot. Like, that's all one concept in the Hebrew language, uh, so, so it can refer to a shoot, right? And so, so that's where the, the, the problem occurs here. Uh, it's definitely not a branch. I think we're definitely not looking at the title branch, but in figuring out how Jesus is a root, we're kind of, it's a little difficult to exactly place what this title means. So we're going to kind of handle it both ways, because I'm not sure either. Because the word itself is not, particularly clear. It could refer to the root system, or it could refer to this thing that comes out of the root system and forms the new tree. Uh, and so, in both ways, in a sense, Jesus is both. And we're going to handle it and look at them that way. Uh, let's look at it as though it was referencing a shoot. Okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 1 11 and 12, this is the genealogy of Christ. This is, uh, this is Josiah, and it's, we're not going to read the whole thing. We just need this one little part. Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation of Babylon. And after the deportation of Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel became the father of Zerubbabel. And we talked about Zerubbabel a little bit last week, one of the guys who built the temple, uh, or started to rebuild the foundation of the temple anyway. Well, I want to look at how Christ could be referenced here as a shoot. Uh, so we have to talk about Josiah. And you're going to notice a, a little bit of a difference between what Matthew says and what actual history, if we went back to the Old Testament, says. It says Josiah was the father of Jeconiah. But Josiah had two sons, one of whom was Jehoiakim, the other was not uh, Jeconiah. We're going to see where Jeconiah comes in in a bit. Uh, Jeho uh, so Je Jehoiakim was the, the king, and, and we're gonna, I put the dates here because they're kind of important. We talked about the fall of uh, Jerusalem to Babylon, and what happened is uh, Jehoiakim is on the throne. And uh, in 606 B.C., uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes, and he takes away uh, some of the leading men. We talked in our class about uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, some of these people. That happens in 606 B.C. He takes some of the elites 
away. He leaves Jehoiakim on the throne um, and just makes Jehoiakim is there to make sure that Jerusalem pays taxes to Nebuchadnezzar. You know, we need a, a person in place to do that. Well, uh, about 598 BC, Jehoiakim's feeling his oats and thinks that we're going to rebel. We're sick and tired of paying taxes. We're going to. Nebuchadnezzar is so far away. You know, he's already come down here, done this thing. He's gone back. And so he, he rebels, and Nebuchadnezzar quickly returns to, to let him know that, that Babylon ain't so far away that we can't come and collect taxes. So he does, and, and uh, poor Jehoiakim uh, doesn't uh, survive. That um, that return uh, to to collect. So, what happens next is his son Je- Jeconiah is placed on the throne. That's in the same year. Jeconiah is king for three months. He doesn't die. While that while he's down there, Nebuchadnezzar says, "Well, while I'm down here, I might survey." Uh, I don't know if he was <coughs> down there or if his generals most likely were there, but. I might as well survey and see if we missed any good people. I mean, we've missed any good people. And so in, in 598, he's like, you know, this, this Jeconiah guy is not too bad. So he takes Jeconiah back, uh, much like he had Daniel and some of the other people. So, so, so Jeconiah is a king for a grand of three months. And, and what happens is Josiah's other brother, Zedekiah, is placed on the throne to make sure the taxes are coming in. Uh, so that lasts for about 11 years. And Zedekiah, much like his brother, thinks, I'll be the one and we'll, we'll throw. And it doesn't work really well for Zedekiah either, although he does survive it. Uh, Zedekiah's sons are killed right in front of him, and then his eyes are poked out. And then he's taken as a slave. Uh, not, not, not a nice ending. And you say, well, what does this have to do with Christ? Well, we see here, the, the, what happens is, the line through Zedekiah is cut off. Now, in both of these, uh, Zedekiah is the last king. But his line is cut off, and we, we then go back to Jeconiah. And what's going on now is that Jeconiah is living a life. He's normal. He's actually a pretty decent guy in Babylon. And he has a son who has a son. And now the line... Continues. It's like this shoot. It, the, the, the line of kings is cut off. But, but something's continuing. Something's growing out of all of this that no one sees. I don't know if Satan thought that he had cleared everything up. It's like with Jeconiah and, and Babylon and this other line of kings. They're cut off and it's over. There can be no Christ. I've figured it out. I've done. And underneath it is just growing up this little thing. And now I look out in my backyard and I'm like, oh man, I got another tree to cut down. Right? And that's what's going on, is this little line. And all of a sudden, boom, there it is. This other tree that grew out of something that everybody thought was cut down. There it is. And there's going to be a king. And so, so Christ is this, this new shoot, in a sense. Uh, that's one of the, the references that I think it applies. Now, it's going to take 600 years. But this, this tree is going to produce another king. It's going to be Christ. Just in between there, it's going to be a lot of little little growth, and you look out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's there's still a person there uh, from, but it's just you know Zedekiah and Zedekiah's son and Zedekiah's grandson, and, until there's Christ. Now, as we said, we don't know what word this what, what this exact word means. It can mean a root system. 
So I want to contrast this uh, a little bit. Uh, Revelation 22:16 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the church. I am the root, I am the descendant of David, the bright morning star. We're actually going to come back to that again next week, this verse. But he says, uh, Christ says, I am the root and the descendant of David. And this is where some of the, the confusion comes in and why some people think that this is referring to the branch. We talked about the branch meaning the, the descendant, the descendant of David specifically. He's the branch of David. And here he says he's the root and descendant of David. Now, so we have a, we have a possibility. Is this a, uh, so many times in, in the Bible we'll see a kind of a redundant uh, phrase. Uh, the bright, and we even have one in this verse, the bright and morning star. They're, they're not contrasted, but sometimes we have a thing where, where things are contrasted, the opposites. And I think that as a root, that possibly is a, an illustration here. That is that, um, and again, people are divided on what this means, that, that there's a contrast. Not that in, on one sense, Christ is the offspring of David as the branch, but he is also the root of David, meaning that he comes before him. Now, I want to look at why I think that this is the reference and why this is a contrast and not a, a redundant reference. Because Christ used this several times in his ministry. So in John 8, um, verse uh, 56, beginning... He says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not even 50 years old. And you've seen Abraham. Abraham had lived 2,000 years earlier. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Hmm. So they picked up stones to throw them. And, and, and what we need to understand is that I am was the title of deity. And so, so Christ has used this, this reference to prove his deity. Uh, we see it again in Matthew 22, and this one is even more interesting. He says, now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, now who do you think about Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, he is the son of David. So he said to them, well, yeah, that's interesting. How is it that David in the Spirit calls him Lord? And then he quotes, he's saying... The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer a word. Not from that day did anyone dare test him with questions. Now, I moved in 1985, I moved to Texas from Massachusetts. Uh, and so it's a different world down there. Uh, I still remember being in the Dallas airport and the people, we, we took a shuttle from, from one terminal to the other terminal. And, and the people on the shuttle, elderly, a couple of elderly people across sitting, and they had this amused look. On, I, I was in seventh grade, and um, I just remember the amused look on their face. And, and the, the line from, I don't know if, you, if those with kids remember uh, the movie Finding Nemo, the, the line where he says, you know, it's, it's like he's trying to say something to us, you know. That, that is the look that they had. It's like they couldn't understand me. Uh, I just I was speaking a foreign language to them. And uh, so, so the, I was in a foreign country. You know, coming from Massachusetts, Texas is a foreign country. And, uh, and they probably looked at me like a foreign exchange student. You know, like this guy, he speaks a completely different language. And 
But I, I remember being down there uh, in Texas, and uh, I made some friends with a twins. They weren't from there either, but they had been uh, they had lived there for a while, and uh, they had adopted the culture. I never did. They were over at my house one day, and I called my mother, Mom. And their jaws about hit the floor. Who's lived or been close to Texas? How do you address your parents? Sir and ma'am. So when I said ma, they were like, whoa! It was like, maybe bow down to you. This is what, in a formal culture, Christ is impressing upon them. How does a, a, a man refer to his descendants with a formal title of respect? You don't do that. The other way only. David could only refer to Christ in a formal title of Lord if he is his predecessor. Well, that means that Christ would have had to have been eternal would have had to live not just before him, but before David, before Abraham, before all these. That's what Christ is pressing on him. And so knowing the root, it has to do with his, uh, with his deity. So we want to look at uh, Christ as deity. And we're going to involve both of the concepts that we've, we've looked at in, in this one passage. It, it kind of encapsulates everything. Uh, Therefore, he says, as you have received Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith just as you are taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit, according to human traditions, according to the elemental or the basic spirits of the world or principles of the world, not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And this, this passage really encapsulates both concepts that we're looking at. Uh, the first one is obviously Christ as deity. And it, it tells us fully, right there, in him dwells the fullness of deity in a physical form, in a bodily form. Uh, and just so we're clear on this passage, I've, I've heard this uh, depending on the, 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 the version you are reading. Um, this will be taken a little out of context. Not that it, it's... It, people say, well, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And, and they'll say, well, see, the Godhead is the Trinity. That's actually not true. The, the word uh, Godhead is not a plural word. Uh, Godhead just means deity. So uh, it, it, this is not a, a proof text. If you're trying to prove the Trinity to somebody, please don't use this verse. Because right? um, it doesn't do it. But uh, not that the Trinity is an incorrect concept, it's just not in this verse. But Christ is fully deity. And that's what he got rocks thrown at him for. Because when he said, I am, before, when he used that reference, I was before Abraham, I'm before David, I'm before all of them, they understood that immediately as a reference to deity, and you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to call yourself God, but Jesus did. So, uh, so, Christ as deity. We want to know Christ as deity, not just know that he is deity. And last week we talked about 
and emphasized Christ in human form as the branch. Christ in human form. And this really, I think, is the opposite concept. And, and we even talked about this in class a little bit uh, this morning, that we get so casual. We, we want to emphasize that Christ was in a human form, to understand it. And, and Paul in Hebrews goes so clearly through this and emphasizes that Christ understands what it's like to be us. And we talked about that. And yet, we can so emphasize that concept of Christ that we forget to contrast it and remember that Christ is holy, that Christ is deity, that Christ is eternal. He's not merely a man who lived and understood us from this perspective. But Christ came to present what we can't understand, the Father, to us. He is still a part of something eternal. He relates to me in my weakness, in my physical. That's last week. That's Christ as a branch. But Christ as the root. Christ as eternal, as the, the predecessor of David. We have to retain in our minds that Christ isn't common. Both opposites, this, this paradox... Son of God, Son of Man. That paradox is repeated over and over and over. And we can emphasize so much the humanity of Christ that we forget the deity of Christ. So if you want to know Christ as the root, you have to begin by understanding that He is not, as, as C.S. Lewis wrote, He is not a tame lion. He is... Holy. He is not common. That's one of the concepts, as we talked about. And, and here in Colossians, he, he gives us another idea. And that is that Christ is a foundation. Not just, not just that Christ is... Uh, when we talked about Christ as this new shoot, he's the, he's the foundation, he's this root system of something different. Right. He's a different kind of a king. Rooted, he talks about us being rooted in him. If we are going to be rooted, it implies several things. Uh, well, a root system is valuable at, to determine the health of the plant. Because that's where the nutrients are absorbed. That's, that's the supply system. You have an unhealthy plant, you likely have an unhealthy root system. It's there to give a substantial grip in the soil. And so he defines us in this passage as being rooted in him. Where is your root system? Romans chapter 11, verse 16. We're going to look at three things here. Uh, before we get to that, we, we begin in this one. He gives us one key of the three in this very passage. We're going to look at two more. He says, rooted in faith. Rooted in the first thing to feed ourselves on is faith, is on doctrine, is on 
understanding the truth of who Christ is and understanding the truth of what God wants. That's the first thing. Rooted in Him and rooted in the faith of Christ. That's the first thing. We're going to look at a couple more. Uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 16. <clears throat> he says, If the dough offered as first fruit is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And this, this is in a text, a larger text, and I won't get into all the details, but because but, we want to take the application, the, the specific concept that he's talking about here in Romans is this conflict between Jews and Gentiles. And, and he's saying, you know, you guys came from something. You were grafted in. That's in this passage. He's talking about how you were grafted into this, this system. Uh, he says, some branches were broken off, and I grafted the Gentiles in to, to this tree. But the health of it didn't depend on the branch. It depended on the root system that fed and kept this, this alive. And so, so the, the idea right, that we want to look at is to be rooted, not just in faith, but in holiness. To be rooted in holiness. It's not simply ideas and doctrines. Those are important. It's hard to get beyond anything else if we don't have that first established. But we talked about producing things in the plant's purpose in all of these lessons the plant's purpose is to produce fruit and we cannot produce fruit unless what we are producing is holy that is something that's required in all of the fruit that we produce that it be holy and that's not going to occur unless we treat Christ as holy Satan said that's the thing if, if the if the root system is holy we should expect that the branches that's us, are producing holy fruit. Are we rooted in Christ? It will show by what we produce. It has to be holy. The last of the three is in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. And we're going to skip a, a verse here. Um, uh, verse 18 I've taken out. It's, it's not a bad verse. You can read it. It doesn't change the context of, of what we're saying. But he says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, we have that, that concept. We go back to, to Christ being the fullness of God. Right? The fullness of God. Not, 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 not just a little. He wasn't just a little of, of God. And yet, now he's saying, you can be filled because of your connection with Christ. You can be filled with the fullness of God. Not in the same way that Christ himself was God. But that, that we're filled with the nutrients that, that come through that root system. We're, we're imbued with all those characteristics if we are connected to that. Right? And what is the character that he is expecting of me? Rooted in love. You know, that is one of the primary characteristics and traits of Christ. And if those, if those nutrients are, are, if we're just sucking that up, from Christ, we are going to produce love. That's really where people see what we are. You know, I am not a botanist. 
by any stretch of the imagination. There's, there's a lot of you that can walk out in the woods and say, well, that's a, this tree, and that's a, that tree, and this, this kind of a tree, and you can tell by the leaves. Or you can tell by the bark. I, I, that's, I mean, outside of a birch tree, I can't tell anything by the bark. But I can walk down in fall and say, that's an apple tree. I'm pretty good at that. Before that, I'm, I'm pretty hazy. How do people look at us? People, people driving by on this road aren't going to go, I bet they're this kind of church. Most people don't know that. Most people can't read the signs. You can read the signs. There's a, there's a, a, a church of Christ in Ohio. It's uh, right on the border either of Ohio and... Um, I think it's Ohio and Indiana, just on the Indiana side. It's on the north side of the highway. And you pass the border, and boom, it's right there. And there's a big sign. I don't know who goes to that church, but, but I know how to read signs, because I'm a preacher. And I, I'm pretty sure I know who's in that building. Most people don't do that. Most people can't go uh, and, and drive by this and, and know, well, they teach that there, probably, or they believe this thing. What most people do is they will identify religious people based on their interactions with them. The fruit. It's fall. Hey, that's an apple tree. Right? That's how they characterize Christians, based on their interactions. So guess what? If they've had a bad interaction with somebody who claims to be Christian, they just kind of assume we're all bad. That's kind of bad for us. Because we might, we might feel, oh, that's not me. Don't blame me. That wasn't me. So it is our job to produce fruit that they can go, that's ideal. That's this type of person. Because they're going to judge the entire thing based on the fruit. They're going to judge the root system based on the fruit. They're going to judge the DNA of the tree on the interactions that they have with you and I. Oh. They might reject Christ based on me. That's a pretty hefty responsibility. This is why it's quite important. My connection to the root system. Christ came to be a different kind of a king. He cut off the old thing, all the ways that people identify what was... He did something different and unexpected. Christ expects us to be different and maybe unexpected. People might expect something of you based on what they think of Christianity, but it is your job to be different and unexpected. So I'm going to end with just a couple of um, just a couple of thoughts to challenge you as you as you leave some questions. If I examine my myself, how solid am I? That's going to give me an indication of my root system. That's going to give me an indication of how connected I am to the root system. So examine yourself. How solid do you feel?
And second, what does my fruit say about my nutrients? What am I absorbing because of my connection? Maybe my connection needs a little more solid than Sunday morning. Maybe I've got one healthy root over here. Maybe I need more root than that. How solid am I? How much nutrients am I getting? Those are the two thoughts I'm going to leave you with.